Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like a book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is BP and Paxton. Hi! Hello. This week we're playing Viticulture World, designed by Mira Shaw and Francesco Testini, who also uh, worked on Tang Garden. The developer was Jamie Stegmeyer, who also helped develop Libertalia Winds of Galecrest, which is the redo of Libertalia, which we've played in the past. Uh, and he is actually the designer of the original Viticulture, which this is an expansion for. The artist is Andrew Bosley, who also did Everdale, Tapestry, Mission Red Planet, Blood Bowl, Team Manager, Citadels, Love Letter, and Kalis, which we've played several of those. And it was published this year by Stonemeyer Games. Uh, so this is a bit of an interesting episode because it's a, kind of a combination between a deep dive and a new play because... Uh, Viticulture is a game that BP and I really enjoy playing, uh, but it is a uh, not cooperative. And this expansion uh, specifically makes that game a cooperative game. Uh, so it's kind of a deep dive and a new play altogether. Uh, the original Viticulture was designed uh, in 2015, like I said, by Jamie Stegmar. So the game description Cooperate with members of your extended winemaking family in various different regions around the world as you try to achieve global recognition. Balance the management of your individual vineyards with the combined effort of your fellow players to gain influence within the region. And the mechanics are contracts, cooperative game, solo solitaire game, turn order, auction, victory points as a resource, worker placement, worker placement with different worker types. And the box art... Paxton, how would you describe that box art? Um, there's grapevines and some uh, galleons. Some galleons. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And people. Yeah, there's people. With buildings in the background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a kind of a cartoonish style. Uh, and there's probably about half a dozen people. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, Kiwi has both boxes kind of side by side. And you can definitely tell like the original version looks like it's trying to be potentially like European. There's just a, uh, you know, white male, female with like a river in the background and some mountains. But this almost has that kind of America's potential vibe and potentially maybe uh, some of the other areas of the Americas uh, that were colonized. And when I get to the history, it'll make a little bit more sense uh, by some of the Spanish. But you've got a lot more diverse cast of people where it's more than just a white male, female. You have uh, some diverse backgrounds of the different types of characters uh, that are working in the vineyards, picking grapes, uh, assuming, obviously, that those buildings are the village where they're going to be making some wine. Yeah, I think the between the two boxes, they kind of have a similar flow. And then mm -hmm. on the kind of the left side of the box, there's appears to be some sort of couple. Uh, and then it flows into the vineyard in the background. And then, yeah, and I, I agree. There's definitely a different cast of characters. And this definitely, this this box for this expansion definitely seems like it's trying to be more... Agnostic is not the word. What's the word I'm looking for? Like 
not like you couldn't look at the picture and be like, oh, that's this region. Whereas uh, right. with the original Visi culture, you could look at that and be like, that's Europe, probably Italy, maybe France. Right. And you could see it. Whereas and I feel like in this new picture, it could potentially be anywhere. Potentially. Which, which I think is the goal. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the expansion is more colorful than the original. It's more vibrant. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Uh, would you pull this off a shelf, Paxton? No. Why? <laughs> Why would you not pull it off a shelf? Because it looks like a farming game, and farming games aren't my favorite. Okay. That's fair. VP? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you had me at viticulture. Uh, I do enjoy uh, wine, wine regions, wine history, uh, and we, of course, loved uh, viticulture itself. So, yeah, I think uh, oh, and cooperative, right? And I was going to say I would pick it up too. I obviously I pre-ordered the viticulture world and waited for it to show up, um, but I think. When we did the the statistics episode at the end of last year, mm-hmm. I think when I said like, oh, the game that Kiwi oh, would yeah. most enjoy, I'm pretty sure was a worker placement cooperative game. So here, here we, go. we go. Worker placement cooperative <laughs> game. So yeah, I would pick it up as well. So how do you guys think it's played? So BP has the pleasure of knowing at least how viticulture is played. But we do have some additional elements that aren't there. Mm-hmm. Paxson's never played viticulture. So what do you think? Looking at the board, you get, you get to cheat a little bit when we do these live episodes because mm-hmm. you guys get to see the board. Uh, whereas in most of these, we don't get to do that. We got some shrugs. It's cooperative. So do you know what cooperative means? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what does it mean? I... <laughs> I don't want to describe it. I don't know what it means. The board is just confusing. I don't. Okay. Don't worry about the board. Yeah. When you think of a cooperative game, what do you think of? I place the thing on the thing and other thing. That's a worker placement. Well, isn't it a worker placement cooperative game? Yeah. So what's the cooperative element? I don't know. You got to work together to do a thing. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So we're going to put some workers together on a board mm-hmm. since we have a board in front of us. Yeah. And our goal is to do this together and not compete against each other. Okay. So we're like, so my imagination based on the description is that it says we're an extended winemaking family, which not a stretch as far as being a family. We're not currently in the winemaking business, but now we get to pretend we're in the winemaking business. Yeah, we're not in it yet. Not yet. Yeah, but we're getting there. We're getting there, and we want global recognition. So the thing about wines and everything is that if they come from different regions, they'll have different elements to them. And we are going to work together to get, I'm assuming, some of those great blends going that are going to get us expert ratings, sommeliers, praising our name, uh, all the supermarkets across the globe selling our product. So to do that, it also says contracts. We're going to have different places giving us things to fulfill. So like you need five bottles of red and five bottles of white. Mm -hmm. Fill this order 
and we move up as we can see the track some, I'm going to guess. Okay. Uh, and of course, we've got our different uh, seasons, spring, summer, winter on the board. I'm not sure then what fall, what we do during fall, but uh, spring, I'm going to guess you plant, summer, you harvest, winter, uh, not very good weather for the out of doors activities, but I'm guessing we can do the indoor activities, which are the uh, wine fermentation process. Okay. How am I doing so far? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So are we all working on the same orders or are we working on different orders, but all working towards the same goal? I don't know. I can't tell you. What do you think, Paxton? Both. Okay. Okay. Okay, so the history of cooperative uh, winemaking cooperatives. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've done the actual history of wine, but even just thinking of a timeline, it does become pretty global. Uh, as soon as grapes become global. Uh, so just kind of super brief as, as much as I can. Um, in my world, in all of my history classes, when we do food projects, uh, students do enjoy doing the history of wine. So we, we do, as historians, have a lot of archaeological evidence that demonstrates that wine actually uh, began in China, in ancient China, during the Neolithic period, uh, approximately uh, around 7000 BCE. So it's pretty old, like a rise of cities did not come about until around 3000 BCE. So we're talking like, you know, people who were uh, still relying a lot on kind of hunter gathering versus, um, you know, a lot of settled agriculture were finding grapes and learning how to ferment them. So before we got together as people, we were learning how to get drunk. Yes, okay, probably because we learned that water uh, was not always clean, full sure. of parasites, bacteria, things like that. But when you ferment things, it's uh, that bacteria, right? And the fermentation process kills a lot of those organisms. So okay. making stuff drinkable. Uh, the wine, so this is just wine uh, grape wines versus wines made from other fruits. Although in ancient Egypt around 3000 uh, BCE, there would be other types of fruits sometimes added to it as well. Uh, honey was a regular additive. Um, in fact, there's some really interesting evidence from Egypt that they actually rehydrated raisins to make a very sweet wine because mm -hmm. Raisins generally have a pretty high sugar content. Um, so, yeah, by 3000 BCE, we have uh, evidence not only pictorially, but also in archaeological finds of Egyptian wine. Kind of looking at the western part of the eastern hemisphere, though, some of the earlier wines were produced in Georgia and Armenia, modern day Georgia, Armenia and uh, Iran. 
the Phoenicians who controlled the Mediterranean around the uh, 2000s, 1500s BCE uh, would help spread the love of said wine across the Mediterranean region. So probably when you readily think of wine in the modern sense uh, for European regions, you think Spain, France, Greece, um, and they, the, that's when Phoenicians, right, uh, brought them readily to those regions. Obviously, Greeks, uh, there's lots of evidence both in uh, religious practices as well as stories and artwork of wine. Romans pretty much just copy and pasted a lot of Greek culture, uh, but would expand upon it, of course, with uh, the sweeping presence that Rome would have across the Mediterranean region, being able to develop grapes uh, and fine tune them. By the time you get to the medieval period, uh, wine would continue its religious significance that began in ancient Egypt uh, and would become a part of uh, Christians' um, what sacraments, right? Uh, the blood of Christ would regularly be used with wine. And so traditionally, especially in uh, European countries, you'll have uh, monasteries will develop both wine and ale uh, heavily. By the time you get to post-1492 in the Colombian Exchange, you'll have the Spanish. And again, usually Spanish monks uh, take wine with them to the Western Hemisphere, introduce it there, we're in the modern period. We now have several regions in the Americas with fantastic uh, wine production. Obviously, California would be one of the first places, in fact, around San Diego and the whole mission system that was developed in the uh, uh, you know prior to 19th century. Eventually, you'd have wine production in what is now modern day Argentina, Chile uh, are especially prominent wine regions. And then by the 19th century, so the mid-1800s, you'd have the British uh, taking grapes to experiment with in Australia and New Zealand, mm. as well as South Africa, all, again, uh, pretty prominent uh, wine-producing regions in the modern day. So there you go. We're going to try to, I guess, do some of that. All right. Uh, so you guys want to know how to play? Absolutely. All right, so we are all vineyard owners who make our own wines, but where before we were competitors, we are now working together to create influence across the region. Players will still continue to gain points like in regular viticulture through fulfilling contracts, uh, certain visitors and structures on their vineyard, but now players can also advance the group's influence. So mm. while, you, while you might win on your own, mm. the goal is now to win as a group. Before we start a game, we choose as a group the continent we want to play on. Green Gully is the introductory continent and the one we'll be playing today. The continents then go up in difficulty. So Asia is the easiest. Uh, mediums are Oceania, South America, and Europe. And then North America and Africa are North America. So those four are considered medium. And then the hardest one is Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, some other notable changes from viticulture. There is no longer a bonus spot. So where before you had kind of three places per action mm -hmm. and there was a bonus spot. So that's gone. And now we just have uh, two shaded circles uh, and that's going to be dependent on player count. So the dark shaded area is the one we'll be playing on because it's two to three players. And then for four or more players, we would have an additional spot as well. 
Um, there's no, uh, some of our workers will be limited to their seasons. Mm. Uh, so those with yellow hats only work in the summer and those with blue hats only work in winter. The others work, uh, other workers are called trained workers and can be placed year round. And there will be an action spot that will allow us to take seasonal workers and make them trained workers, in which case we just remove their hat. There we go, Paxton. That's what's up with the hats. Uh, and then when the grande workers, so we all have uh, seasonal workers or the littler ones, and then we all have one bigger one, and that one's called the grande worker. When they're placed at a location with another player's worker, you get to perform that action, and you also get to do a trade with that player. Mm. So each player can give and or take in the trade, so it can be one-sided, and you don't have to trade the same thing. And you can give any number of lira or money, mm-hmm. uh, vine cards, order cards, one grape of any value, or one wine of any value. Uh, Each year begins with spring, as is traditional. Uh, The first step is to draw an event card. We're going to read the flavor text and then the game text. Next, we're going to discard any innovation tiles remaining from the previous year and draw two new tiles. These innovation tiles, the square ones, will let us change the actions And the oval ones will let us uh, increase the number of workers that can do that action, but also provide us with different bonuses. Uh, And then finally, instead of uh, previously where it was, you kind of had to bid on who would go first. Mm -hmm. We now as a group get to decide which order everybody is going to go in and thus who's going to get what bonuses. So that's uh, spring. So in summer, players are going to in turn perform one of the following actions, place a summer worker, place a trained worker or place a grande worker or pass. Uh, All of your favorite actions from regular viticulture are still here. So you can play a summer visitor. You can draw a vine card. uh, You can plant a vine. You can build a structure. You can give tours uh, and you can buy or sell an unplanted field or grape. And then there are two new actions. So the first one is pay one to gain one. So you can either lose either two cards, three lira or a grape token or a victory point. And then you can either gain two cards, three lira, a, a one value grape token, or a victory point. The cards can come from different decks or the same deck, and it doesn't matter the type that was discarded. Uh, then we also have Innovate. So this upgrades a summer or winter action, and it costs four lira. The rectangular tiles will change the action of a space, while the oval tiles will add bonuses. These oval tiles will cover up the two normal spaces and then any number of workers can perform that action. Trained workers will gain the bonus, while untrained workers will not. Oval tiles can only be placed to locations that do not already have an oval tile, and they will also have bonuses or payments. So if we look at uh, number or letter F here, when we place an oval on that one, mm-hmm. everybody gets a victory point. Mm. But if we change up uh, C or H, Whoever does that action has to pay two lira in order to upgrade mm. that to a gray innovative token. Right. Uh, what about, what's the draw one? Uh, this draw here. Mm-hmm. So that's the action. So this, no, but here it's got the. Uh, so everybody would get to upgrade two grapes. Oh, okay. Uh, in fall, players will gain one of the following benefits. They'll either gain two lira, draw any one card, or age one grape token. So you get to choose. And then in winter, we're basically going to do the same thing as we did in summer, except now we can only do the winter actions, which are in blue. So during this one, we can take turns placing our trained workers, 
or our seasonal winter workers wearing the blue hats, uh, our grande worker, if we still have it. Um, from viticulture, we still have the following actions. We can draw a wine order. We can play a winter visitor. Harvesting a field uh, and filling a wine order don't cost you money uh, unless we upgrade them. Uh, then uh, the gain a lira action has been removed. So that was one we previously had. We now have selling a wine token and gaining lira based on its value. So if you sell a, a value five red wine, you'll get five lira for it. Uh, finally, the train worker position has changed as well. So in the previous version, you would gain an additional mm -hmm. worker, but that's gone. We will always only have four. But what okay. it lets you do is you get to take a hat off of one of your workers and change them from a seasonal worker to a trained worker who can then work wherever Both you need seasons. them to do. Yep. Once a player has passed in winter, they immediately perform the year-end steps. So as in before, you had to wait until everybody was done. So now as soon as you're done, you get to do it so that you could actually have things that you could give to other people if they use their grande worker where you went. So uh, you're immediately going to perform the year-end steps. This can free up positions for other players. These steps remain unchanged from the original. So you're going to age your grapes and wine, return your workers, collect any residual payments, discard, discard down to five cards instead of seven from the original. Uh, instead of passing the first player token, originally the grape token, the grape token is now our round tracker. Uh, once all players have passed and done the year in steps, the grape token is moved to mark the round. Move it to the next and start a new year. At the end of year six, check for the victory conditions. All players have to be at 25 victory points or more and we have to end the game with the influence track, which is the maple leaf looking thing here, all the way at 10. So each region and different event cards will change how influence is gained. As long as both conditions are met, the players win. If not, they lose. And those are all the rules. Let's play. just finished a game of Viticulture World. Uh, to recap, uh, we needed a little bit of help. We needed a seventh year. Uh, we hit all of our influence uh, in year six, uh, but only Paxton had the necessary victory points of 25. Uh, I needed about three more. BP needed about <laughs> seven more. So we were pretty close. Uh, and with a little bit of help and some epic planning, we were able to just at the end, uh, get everybody across the 25 win line and uh, go from there. So I don't know what, I feel like strategy wise, we kind of played our own game for the first couple couple years. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I felt like we did a lot more planning, a lot more trading. Um, there was definitely epic planning that last round. You guys were like strategizing. Yeah. And I was just like, just, I guess, can I go here? Tell me what I can yeah. do. <laughs> and I, I feel like in the future, if we play it again, uh, the innovation tiles, being able to like have more than one person go to it. Cause I feel like that stopped us a couple of times yeah, where, did. yeah, we only had that one spot open and we really needed to have mm -hmm. two. Uh, theme Paxton, did you feel like you were a vineyard owner making uh, wine in a cooperative of other winemakers and a winemaking family? Um, I, I'm not sure about like cooperatively making wine. I feel like that only happened in the very end. Like 
you were kind of just making wine on your own, but you're also working with others so they could make their wine. So I guess a little bit, but not entirely, I don't think. Okay. I'm not. BP? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is a, uh, I don't know, I guess contract. I'm trying to use mechanics. I don't know why. But I mean, you do feel like you're fulfilling orders. Uh, I mean, I think you said it at the beginning. We were kind of in our own zone at the beginning. Um, I think we did try to see where other people were. We definitely got way more cooperative at the end. But I don't think that's necessary. I mean, it fits the theme of right? You're a winemaker. So you are going to be focused on getting that vineyard up and running. So you can participate with your extended family. I mean, could there have been more sharing at the beginning? Possibly. Would it have been helpful? Possibly. We don't know, you know, um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't get this from viticulture either necessarily about being the winemaker. I do feel like there's a little bit of engine building, which I like. And Mm -hmm. then the worker placement, like I need to get my field set up. Once the fields are set up, then I need to harvest and make wine and fill orders. So that's the part I like the most about viticulture in general is like it it combines kind of a engine builder with uh, worker placement. So the theme wise though, yeah, I I didn't necessarily, I, I feel like I agree with Pax and I didn't necessarily feel like we were cooperative winemakers uh, all that much, but, uh, BP table presence. I love the hats. I think we all love the hats. I think the hats help you feel like seasonal workers. Although I don't know for blue. I mean, um, I feel like summer cause you don't want to go out in the fields. Well, I think hats. it's supposed to match the, the no, blue. I, I yeah, know okay. what it's supposed to do. All right, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the hats don't fit well. We just gotta like fiddle around with the meeple cause sometimes they fit well on one meeple, but not the other meeple. Sure. Mm-hmm. But no, I think the table presence, just like with the other bitty culture, uh, is, is, I mean, pretty well done, especially with the different meeples, with the different shapes, with the, you know, little things. I think, again, if you were walking by, you'd probably turn a little bit. Yeah. Paxton? It, it takes up enough room that when sitting down, I cannot reach the other side of the board. So. Which, which might be a combination of the table yeah, as well. So. Sticks out. Yeah. Uh, I will, I have one, I mostly agree with BP. My Mm -hmm. one complaint is I wish Beth Sobel had done the art so that they went (laughs) together. She did the, uh, Beth Uh. Sobel did the art for the original and there's a different artist for this Mm -hmm. one. So I feel like the art, like the style is different. Like the imagery kind of goes together. Mm -hmm. I wish that she had done the art so that it could all kind of be more cohesive. cohesive. But um, yeah, the hats are awesome. (laughs) The hats are just fun. (laughs) I knew as soon as I read that rule and they were like, oh, and then you put hats in your meeples. I was like, BP's going to love that. I love hats. I I know. Who doesn't love hats? Yeah. Who doesn't love having a a little bit of fashion for their meeples? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So then we roll into mechanics. And I will say that that, the hats and the training, Mm -hmm. uh, that was like my favorite mechanic of the whole game. Yeah. I thought that was like, if there was going to be a thematic tie-in, that was it. With having seasonal workers, Mm -hmm. they work different times of the year. And then those hats. And then when you train them, their hat comes off because then they can do anything they want to. Yeah, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, so I really like that. And then the other piece that I like was the ability to innovate because I think what we learned mm-hmm. probably a little late was <laughs> even though that there was a card that was like, innovation is important, you should do it. Yeah, uh, multiple. Yeah, we needed to do it more, I think. So, <laughs> Who listens to cards? Yeah. Uh, BP, did you have a favorite mechanic? Um, Making wine. Okay. Fulfilling orders. <laughs> yeah. PP, uh, Paxton? Uh, I, yeah, I, I like the... Um, 
The hats. Yeah, the hats. Yeah, that, I, I, that, I, my mind blank. I like the hats. The hats and the taking off hats when they became trained was yeah. pretty cool. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of rules, uh, I didn't really have to look up anything in the Viticulture World Book. The stuff that I had to look up was in the actual Viticulture Rule Book. Uh, just, just to, to remind myself, because it had been a little bit since we played Viticulture. So how was it learning the game? I, I think VP, I'll, I'll start with you first, since you've played Viticulture. Did you feel like it was a lot of changes, too many changes with the expansion? I don't think too many changes. And I think adding the cooperative, I, I like like it even more because I'm... Um, I, I just love the idea of playing together instead of against each other. Yeah. Um, but no, I think uh, there were, I mean, the innovation, I think, was a new thing and trying to, um, you know, figure out, like, with your limited plays, what you want to do. But I think overall, it seamlessly came together. Yeah. And then Paxton, over to you, since you'd never played Viticulture before, how was it learning the game? Well, I was so confused. So, like, <laughs> I think I was starting to get it by like the second year. And then by the third year, I finally knew like what I should be doing. Yeah. And how I should go around it. Yep. And, and, I, and I see that sometimes when you do play games, like the first couple rounds, you, because you also tend to, I don't want to say analysis paralysis, but I think you do suffer a little bit from analysis paralysis where when you have too many choices, yeah, uh, you kind of... Indecisive. Yeah, indecisive. But indecisive. I, I agree. Right. I, I think by year three or four, I think you knew exactly what you wanted to do and yeah. how you did it. And I felt like in that last year when we were trying to figure out the plan, yeah. I felt like you were the one really pushing it and figuring it out how mm -hmm. we could do it. So, so that was great. I was remembering things like all at once. I was like, oh, wait, we could do this and this and this to get all the things to do this. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, and that, that leads us kind of into the player interaction piece. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about it with cooperative games all the time. I feel like uh, Viticulture, when we play it, uh, the interaction really only comes from where you go and right. if you take that space from somebody. But the Grande Worker kind of limits that to an extent because that does give you one option to go where somebody else has been. I felt like the interaction, and we already talked about it before, where the first couple, maybe two or three mm -hmm. or years – we weren't really, we were kind of playing our own games. And then once we figured out like, oh, we need to cooperate a little mm -hmm. bit more to get there. And then by, I felt like year five, when it was probably too late, except for that nice, helpful card right. at the yeah. end. The extra year. Yeah, the extra year. Seventh year, guys. And it does say on the card, like, hey, you can trade this out for the last card on any continent so that mm -hmm. you can have that option if you need it. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I, I felt like we interacted a lot more as it went on, as we kind of figured out, like we, and, and I wonder if that's a combination of, we were just kind of doing our own thing, or if that was a, you and I are so used to viticulture, like mm -hmm. I am going to kick your ass today. <laughs> and then realizing like, oh, we have to work together. I don't know though that we were so separate because especially in choosing turns, like we were like, well, Paxton really needs to be able to do this. I feel like we were a more cognizant as opposed to take this like, Ooh, I know Paxton needs to fulfill an order. So do I, I'm taking it. So he can't have it, you know? So yeah. I do feel like we were more cognizant of what people needed and when, and tried to play to those areas much more than you would in the competitive version. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paxton, do you have anything else on player interaction? I mean, I will. I mean, at the beginning we were, there was like some, 
because we didn't have any of the innovation. We had like one innovation mm-hmm. out yet on the plant where multiple people could plant. Yeah. Like before that, there were some times where people were like, hey, can I go here? Do any of you need stuff? Yeah. And that yeah. was like about it. And it happened like three times. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so the question of the podcast, would you play it again, BP? <laughs> yes, a B. Uh, so for you, do you prefer it this style or do you yes. think the other one? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooperative. Yep. Great. Uh, Paxton. Uh, I would play it again. Okay. Do you think you would want to try it uh, without the cooperative or do you think uh, based on your play, do you think you would just only want to do it cooperative? I think I would only want to do it cooperative. Okay. That's fair. Would you ever want to go back and play it non-cooperative for BP? I mean, I would if, if that were, you know, the presence of other players. I just, I think... I prefer cooperative. Again, if we go back to the year in stats, I think hands down, that's how we're all, I forget what my game of statistics would uh, call yeah. it, it was, too, there was like some, sure There was like some cooperative. cooperative, like pattern matching or set collection or something crazy like that. I'd have yeah. to go back and look. Storytelling. I feel like the pattern matching was uh, yeah. Eric. Um, so I, I'll say yes as well. I think... Uh, like, you know, I, sometimes I think about, like, how I would teach it. Mm. I'm not sure, you know, watching Paxton, like, not struggle, but with the decisions leading up to mm-hmm. turn three. You feel it would be better to I wonder if it would be better, competitive the competitive one. Before going. Before going to. But I also think it might have helped him a little bit because in the competitive one where it's kind of like, well, how much do I help? Mm-hmm. And how much do I play oh, my own gone game for so much money because we know oh, how yeah, our I kid plays money. Right. money yeah which which really in this yeah. game like is is not bad so I, I think it would depend on the players on if i just went straight to viticulture world or if i did viticulture I but I, I feel like i might start with regular viticulture just because it 90 percent of the mechanics in world are mm-hmm. all in viticulture and they've only changed some stuff to go, but I felt like with Paxton, it was easier to start with Viticulture World because we were able to be more helpful because right. the, the goal of the game is to be helpful. Mm-hmm. I think if people just wanted to play Viticulture World, but they hadn't played Viticulture, play like a couple rounds of Viticulture so they could get the basic mechanics and then switch over so you don't have to play like a full game so you don't mm. mix up your rules. Yeah, which That's is kind of what uh, Pandemic Legacy recommends us in. Hey, just play Pandemic. Like once or you don't need to. Yeah. Right. But if you want to get the core mechanics down, just play, you know, pandemic once or twice and then you, you should be good. Yeah. Uh, and go from there. And then that just changes a couple of mechanics. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so that was Viticulture World. Okay. Uh, before we take it out, I do just want to say that we are recording this on Kiwi's birthday. So if you have any recommendations, want to give any birthday shout outs, you can do so uh, by sending them our way. Uh, we're available on the Twitter as well as Instagram at First Turncast. Uh, we are at Gmail, also at First Turn Tabletop at Gmail. And our podcasting camel, he's got on a little birthday hat while, of course, holding a glass of wine. What type of wine? Um, well, since Kiwi doesn't know any wine, it doesn't matter. Because... I do know wine. Red and white. <laughs> 
and he says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you and play more games. 